Welcome to another edition of The Creator's Outlet, episode 152. Been a long time. Brought to you by our friends over at the Inked Marketing Team, who want us to remind you about Heel Turn, the comic issue number one is now live on Kickstarter, where the world of professional wrestling meets Dexter. Check it out for yourself. Get your copy today at inked.pub forward slash heel turn. As we welcome John and Joel from this. Pronounce Yule. Yule, if you're wondering the pronunciation yeah, on that. Because I'm like, I go, I go, my typewriter doesn't have those fancy dots. I go. Yeah, that's some, some strong key commands on the keyboard when we type that. So. Yeah. Well, I, try, I tried the caveman smash and it just didn't work for me. <laughs> no, everyone wants to say Joel. So it, it's, it's. Uh, that's Joel. This is Yule. Yeah. I didn't yeah. name it after myself. I got an ego, but it's not that rampant. So. <laughs> Hey, I thought I was in the book. I was like, Will, at eight. I go, I'm fine to that. That would have been cool. Well, when we cast the film, you might be a consideration. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, it wasn't believable. The guy was in his 50s and like 300 pounds. <laughs> well, he can time travel, so anything's possible. Oh, good. Can I, can I time travel back to when I was thin? Because, oh, man. <laughs> It's possible, yeah. yeah. I hate shopping at the fat guy store all the time. <laughs> it's Man. husky, sir. It's husky. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Oh wait, if 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 I was a woman, I would just be thick. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's like... And you'd be a Victoria's Secret model too. <sighs> <laughs> all these poor young lads going chasing down the the mail trying to find that catalog coming in just to you know, cease somebody bigger than, I don't know, me. Uh, <laughs> uh. Uh, I'm a one piece person. I can't, I can't pull off a two piece. So <laughs> no, no worries there. So this is, this is the first, this is your first forte into comics. Yep. Uh, for both of us. Yes. Yeah, sure is. And uh, you smash the goal. There's eight days to go. And as soon as I saw this, I was like, Bill and Ted time. Yes. Backers, exactly. 69, dudes. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I texted that to John when we hit that. So it was funny. Yeah. Was funny to yeah. <laughs> Just in case there's any people that have like the tissue hanging from their, you know, over their shoulders to cry at everything <laughs> that goes on on the internet. Well, so, anyone anyone that follows us knows that uh, you know, we really don't have any filters either. So, uh, yeah. they're watching; they won't care. <laughs> you know. So, well, first off, I want to play this video because I haven't seen it. Awesome.
Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, yeah. Our buddy Scotty out in L.A. put that together for us. He actually does a lot of major motion picture trailers mm -hmm. and recently worked on Wonder Woman 84, like Tom and Jerry and a couple others. So I just went to school and we were high school friends. So I'm lucky I had that connection still. But he put that together and did a pretty solid job. Definitely. Well, you know, after working on Wonder Woman 84. Right. You know, <laughs> he didn't make the movie. He just made the trailer. Okay. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. He is like not responsible for anything that happened in that movie. No, not at all. He took what was given to him and put it into a trailer. Hey, and the, and the trailer actually didn't look bad, right? So, so maybe that was a yeah. You, a, you, a good you know, there's a you know there's a problem when uh, you know when the trailer is the best part of the movie, <laughs> right? So. Joel, tell us about your, your art background. What have you done be, prior to this? And Yeah, I'll kind of wind it backwards. So prior to Yule for the, like the past decade, I've actually been a fine artist, oil painter, working in that, and kind of got into that because my mom got sick in 2010 with Alzheimer's, so I needed something to distract my brain dealing with all that mess and loss mm -hmm. and family stuff. And um Prior to that, I didn't do anything really artistically from like 2000 to 2010. I was running a business like most stupid 20-year-olds. I chased money, not passion, and that didn't work out too well, right? So didn't do that. Uh, going back a little bit further than that, I was in a metal band, so I was doing art for like album covers, uh, T-shirt designs, logos. Worked at a tattoo parlor for a short stint doing flash work, custom uh, art people come in. I never actually tattooed, but just did all the designs and things. Um Way back, my youth was uh, my brother and I had this bedroom, man. I think it was like six foot by eight. It was literally just big enough for bunk beds to be in there. And there's like, he had six long boxes of comics. So he started collecting in like the probably the mid 70s. So by default, I lived in that world with all of his books. And he was an aspiring writer and couldn't draw worth, you know, worth a darn. So he asked me to help come along and do some of his drawing stuff for him. And that started out early on. So what happened was the fine art world got a little bit slow with the COVID stuff and the gallery openings and things weren't as prolific as they were, you know, years back. So I said, well, geez, I got to pivot and go do something else artistically because the goal of making the art is always to do more art. So I said, well, I'll just jump back in the comic book world, my illustration background and go back into that and start doing that again. And John and I worked together uh, in our day job. I didn't want to write anything, so I knew he was writing. So I said, John, you want to write something, and I'll draw it. So here we are, and we're doing Yule. Nice. So this page has actually got an homage to Friday the 13th, the series, if you remember that show, um, The Antique Shop. So it's got Oh, like yeah. I actually used to watch that. Yeah. <laughs> That's no a kidding. great show, right? I love that show. Yeah, I think I've seen every one. So it's I'm surprised at how many people, how many people that you give that reference to are like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I didn't think anyone knew about that show. <laughs> so. Yeah, there's a lot of Easter eggs in there. There's like the record player, the waving monkey, the shrunken head, the jar that explodes with the Friday the Thirteenth, the logos in there. So I had a lot mm -hmm. of fun with that. I like to hide a lot of things visually in the art and see if people pick up on it. So it's all in there. Well, first off, John, we're talking to a bunch of comic nerds. Uh, yeah, we've seen everything. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't a lot of content back then either. So you really had to go out of your way to try to find stuff. That was pretty Oh, hard, yeah. Right? So anything that was sci-fi or 
had some type of, uh, I don't know, I guess a pulp vibe to it. We were, we were in on it, man. That's what we were doing. Yeah, it's like, you know, you know, you, you flip through channels because, you know, your, your friends all went to the beach and I am way too Irish to go out in the sun. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, well, what's on TV? And you go, and, you know, early afternoon, you know, you'd go out and play ball with your friends or something. And then, you know, they'd go and do something. They'd go and do something else and everybody go home for a little while, you know, in time to have lunch and watch the Creature Double Feature on Channel 56. And, uh, you yeah. know, either, either some, you know, monster movie or some kaiju stuff. And uh, then you go back out in the middle of the afternoon and then you come home like early evening. You go, oh, I'm so bored. There's nothing to do. I got a whole basement full of fucking toys. There's nothing to play with. Uh, three game systems. Oh, this is boring. God, I oh, wish man. I could be bored again. Uh, right, right. I was a full-fledged member of the WLBI Kids Club, too. So. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Nice. It's so funny, though. When I when I wrote this scene, I pictured the shop more as like the, the shop in the movie Gremlins, uh, if, if you remember that shop where where he gets gizmo mm-hmm. and and then when i when i said he doesn't this, listen yeah right uh. right yeah uh, just like this kid right um, um when i sent it to, to joel he he mentioned the friday the 13th shop and i was like I, i'm not familiar with the show um and he sent me the intro to the show and i'm like do it that's awesome so yeah, and this the background, you know, this uh, panel is supposed to be a little bit loose and sketchy with the inks. It's supposed to be a little bit awkward because we wanted that feeling because Will feels awkward when he's going in here to go shopping for his dad because eight-year-old kids just don't end up in antique shops. That's not something they are commonly going into. So kind of seemed weird for him, and I wanted it to feel weird, too. That was part of it. Well, the other thing, too, which I can hold up, but you won't see it great, but this the, – this it's a it's a two-page spread and the panels go in a u uh, u fashion so so it's supposed to go up like that um which looking at this page you, you wouldn't even necessarily know that you should be reading from the bottom up but when you see them side by side it's, it's pretty obvious cool yeah i actually used to go into antique stores there was actually one at the top of my street and i started going into them more and more let me blow that up. Uh, I used to go into them more and more once I found out that uh, people would go in and like sell stuff, and uh, some of the stuff they would sell were comics. So I'd be right. like, "Ooh, I can find old comics," and they would be, you know, they'd be like, you know, they'd buy like the whole box off of somebody for like five bucks, and you know, sell them like ten for a dollar or something. Yeah, pre eBay era, right? When everything yeah. else was everything was comparable comps back you know that wasn't happened back then it was just, oh uh, i'm, I'm talking like happened. you know 1978 1979 oh yeah those well, are the deals man the reason that you know i had him going to this an antique shop um was to get records is because growing up that's what we did we used to go look for records in the antique shop so th- that that smell that you know like like you, you wrote oh, nana's basement like mothballs <laughs> almost uh you, you wrote that in some of the dialogue there but uh I thought it would be cool to to bring him into one of those shops because actually, like you said, Joel. I mean, when I was a kid in there, I was, yeah, I was flustered. You know, it was so much weird shit. <laughs> and, yeah. But, you know, the, and get get yelled at by you know whoever brought you into your first antique store. 
Don't touch anything. Don't look at anything. Don't yeah. breathe. Because I can't afford to buy this stuff. Yep. And then you would then you would hear smash. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the gnarly old antique store owner that looks weird too. He's got like his bowling league shirt on, right? So, so you got that guy. Mm-hmm. They all look like that. They all they all look like a character, you know. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Now, John, tell me about uh, you know you getting into writing and you know what made you want to actually do a comic. So I I've always wanted to write. Uh, my true passion is I I want to write horror novels. Uh, so I always was approaching it as trying to be a novelist um, since I was a little kid. I mean, I, I was reading Stephen King when I was in like seventh, eighth grade. I read it um, and I fell in love with horror, horror books. Um, and I used to write awful movie scripts, um, you know, for film classes. Um, I would write some short stories uh, here and there. Um, even now, I still try to write some and um, with the hopes of getting them published in something. But I started writing this as a novel uh, after talking with my son one night. Uh, I asked him if he loved Christmas and he told me he liked Halloween more because he liked to get scared. And it just popped in my head because I'm always trying to think of story ideas. Uh, I I popped in my head, how can I make Christmas scary in a way that hasn't been done and would be family friendly enough so that my kid could read it, but still attract adults because we want a large target audience. So uh, I started thinking of a kid getting lost at the North Pole. Initially, I had titled it Trapped at the North Pole, and then we expanded much more from there, uh, the storyline. So it all started with the thought of trapping this kid at the North Pole, but on the outskirts where there's these creepy creatures in the woods that are lurking and, and they want to get get him and get the cube. It's known as the Kasi, um, that cube that he, he finds in the antique shop there. Um, and I wanted an evil elf coming for it and a protagonist elf that would help him uh, try to get away and, and get the Kasi to safety. That's where... I had the outline in my head and then uh, Joel actually reached out to me because like he mentioned, we worked together at our day jobs and he knew I wanted to write. We were both into art. He, he reached out um, and asked if I would be interested in uh, working on a comic with him. And I said, absolutely. I, I pitched him this story and, and we went with it. And since then we've expanded this into such a bigger universe that it was absolutely a hundred percent the right choice to turn this into a comic versus a novel. Oh yeah. Pop says he needs you on his show soon too. Well, it's gotta be soon because the campaign is over in seven days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm doing shows like on. what, like two a night almost at this point. Like we're doing a lot of stuff. So. I love I'm, it. Doing, I'm doing seven this week. I told wow. my wife I won't see you till next week, and she's just you know in the other room. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I I do creators outlet, uh, I can do that. I can be there, pops. That might have to be another solo pops for for Joel. I, my wife and I work opposite schedules, so I'm daddy duty until about eight thirty nine o'clock at night, which is why this worked out so wonderful. But. Yeah, hit us Joel. up offline. I'll, I'll, I'll get on. Yeah, yeah. I'll do he, he's on. He's on our group too on, on Livid. Um, so, I'm like and, a cool. I'll do anything. <laughs> this is their first campaign, so they could go on uh, popping with you and Piper too. 
which is actually later in the day. So, okay, yeah, we appreciate it. Yeah, man, thanks for the op. Appreciate it. So, do you guys remember the first comic that you bought? That's a good question. <laughs> I'm gonna say it was probably for me. It's probably Transformers number two. And I got it at a local IGA store in town when I was probably about seven. Let's go there. <laughs> I, didn't, I missed it you once. I never have anything that's cool or worth anything, right? But actually, the uh, shooter at a local con, he was the pit boss there for Marvel working on that. So I met him uh, actually in April. So it was kind of cool. It was like weird to go back to the first show in a while, and then he's there. So. And then I have my daughter, who's now the age I was, so she got to meet him too. We just picked up a signed poster from him. So, kind of weird how life does that to you, synchronicity and all, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I don't remember what my first comic was because we didn't have a comic shop where I grew up in northern New Hampshire. Uh, I got all my comic books at yard sales and flea markets, uh, so it was all secondhand stuff. Obviously, none of it was graded or anything like that. I was a kid; I didn't even know what that meant. Uh, I remember Spider-Man being the first comic. I fell in love with um and i told joel this story my fondest memory i shouldn't say fond um my biggest memory i have from a comic as a kid is when i was in the grocery store and i picked up an x-men uh issue I, I don't remember what number it was i just remember storm on the cover and i'm sitting there reading the book and uh next thing i know i look up my mom's gone and I was like, oh, crap. Um, and I was young. I was really young. I was freaking out. I was looking around the store for her. I had to go to customer service and have them flag her down to customer service. And she was pissed. And <laughs> let's just say I did not get that comic book. She did not buy it for me. So do you, now do you looking back, I'm like, no, I don't even remember remember oh, which issue it was. I would have bought it because it would have been a cool story, but uh, I didn't give it to her for Mother's Day. Like, right? <laughs> yeah, I should have been mad at her. Looking back, she's the one that left me in the aisle, right? Uh. <laughs> you weren't paying attention, young man. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I would have to be like on my best behavior and you know get all my chores done. Kids' chores are things you used to have to do like work, right? <laughs> Uh, and yeah, you know, and if you didn't do it, uh, your next job was cutting a switch out the backyard because your ass was going to get whooped. Oh yeah, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was outside until dinner time every day, whether I wanted to be or not. Uh, mm -hmm. So rain, snow, didn't yep. matter. Get your ass outside. <laughs> Can't go to my friend's house until until I do my chores, like you said. So. Um, but my, now my son, I have a seven-year-old son, which actually I named the main character after him. Uh, not not after you, um, to most people's um, thought there, but uh, I named him after my son, Will. And um, Well, that was very he, kind of you. We hadn't even met yet, but... Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, my son loves doing chores actually he he wants to mow the lawn um he's terrible with it but i still let him do a few passes every time just to get used to it once he's actually good at it he, he'll say no but um he he likes doing all the the yard work and all that and and now his nana and pop pop pay him when he does it for them so he expects money from us now which i was like damn it that didn't last long <laughs> but, it's like, no, Nana and Pop Pop spoil you, so when you come home, you get to feel what the real world is like. <laughs> right. 
you know, so um, I still have my very first comic. It was an issue, uh, I think it was issue 421 of Detective Comics with the Creeper kicking the living crap out of Batman in, awesome. Go in Gotham Central Zoo. Uh, and of course, it just so happens that like all the tigers and lions were out of their cages. So, right. uh, so. as they are, right? Yeah. As you know, as as they would be on a Thursday evening. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's time to walk the kitty cats, and and they are out. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, this thing just blew up for you guys. Yeah, yeah, it was strange. We so we have a little bit of a backstory to it too. So. We started doing this in probably December or January, and we kind of put it out there. Just I have a following from my fine art crowd, and I said, hey, I'm doing a comic book. I'm pausing on painting. I'm going into comic books for a while, and we said, we're going to put together a collector's edition, and we put it out there and made it available for pre-sale. We were like nine pages into this book, and we sold all 100 of the collector's edition before this kickstarter campaign so we were wow. thinking nobody was going to come on the kickstarter either right so we were like well let's see how it goes right and um, but we do have some you know kickstarter exclusive there they can't get from the collector edition too so and, and actually a lot of people are doing both so like yeah super flattered and you know appreciative of of that so yeah it's been great we've we've been blown away the whole the whole time through this, you know, uh, with those backers between the Joel's fine art fans, our friends and family, uh, we sold out of that collectors within a month. Um, and, and they're still waiting for it because there's been printing delays and all that, but, uh, mm -hmm. they are awesome supporters. And like Joel said, we set the bar, the goal pretty low for this Kickstarter because we had no idea what to expect. We were thinking, you know, when you read up on Kickstarter and what you need to do, you know, a big portion of your, your sales are going to go to your friend's family and we had already used them. We've already tapped them out. Right. So, um, we didn't know what to expect. And we hit goal in the first six hours. Uh, we were just like, we're sitting there hitting refresh on our phones and we're like, are you kidding me right now? Like, this is awesome. But this just struck a chord with just about everybody. Cause you know, you funded in six hours, you, you've blown the goal, you know, out of the water. Uh, you know, for your first book. And I mean, you guys have never done a comic before. And, you know, you, you've got background in writing and uh, Joel's got background in fine art. Uh, so Joel could be the next Scott Hanna. We don't know. I'm sure you'd take that. Because... Uh, take anything. If I could just do more art, that's the goal, man. That's yeah, that's, that's, it, that's, you know? that's it. Well, that's, that's, it. that's where uh, Scott... I had Scott on the show like uh, like the first early in the first year that I was doing this, and uh, he had, he was trained in fine arts from you know a young age because his mom his mother was a fine artist, you know uh, all all different mediums you know of, of painting and everything, which made all this comic stuff flow even better and, and you know and made it you know and made it easier, and you know. He worked for Marvel in DC for like 30 plus years. So, you know, if, if you want a Batman or a Spider-Man comic, you know, anytime in like the last 30 years, Scott Hanna worked on it at, at, you know, at some point. So it's just, you know, it's just crazy. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. We are. I mean, we used to make a, 
jokes with each other when we were first starting out. I mean, we were staying up to one, two in the morning chatting on the phone. We were so excited to, to hit the ground running on this thing. But we used to make jokes that we'd have boxes left over sitting in our basement that would be given out for years for Christmas gifts. You know, we, warmth, but yeah. we we said, you know, who cares, right? We, we can say we did what we had a passion to do and we got it printed and have it in our hands physically, right? So, um, and then obviously that didn't happen. We're, we're going to be doing second and third runs of these prints that, that we have. So it's it's all happened so fast and we're we're very grateful and, and humbled so you're afraid you're gonna wake up at three o'clock in the morning and you know an infomercial will be playing on the tv but wait that's more you get a free copy of yule yeah right. <laughs> uh yeah and there is the dreaded it was only a dollar it was only a dollar yeah we had to make it a reason why the kid could afford it and buy it too right so a little bit of that we got to keep in mind the shop owner has no idea what this thing is this is just something that was sitting on his junk shelf and it's been dormant for hundreds of years so a, a cube with like a little button on it it's, a, it's any... a glass eyeball oh it's sorry a glass eyeball? Oh, yeah, yeah. Spoilers. it's like a kaleidoscope right something kind of deal yeah, yeah, you look through it. Um, it, it. When I was writing it out, I had it pictured like he'd be looking through it like almost like a snow globe, but this little circle, when he held it up to his eye, he would see, well, you'll see it on one of the pages, but he would see this strange forest and wonder what was going on and have these evil eyes staring back at him. So It only well, worked kinda, for him, too. It's kind of like those Marvel Comics Hot Wheels that you could like look through the back window of the van and see a picture in it. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's what inspired me from my childhood. I don't know. <laughs> And the shapes on it are uh, sacred geometry. So that's what, if you're wondering what, like, it's got a, like a pyramid shape on the Kasi, like that's all sacred geometry and stuff. So that's kind of cool. I'm into that type of thing. I failed geometry three years in a row. <laughs> I just, I just use the images. I don't, I couldn't tell you much about them, but I think they're cool. So. <laughs> they're, they're just some fun shapes. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I love these, these panels in the video. Cause yeah. it was just with, with the music it was like, Bung, bung, bung. And I'm like, oh man, this kid's gonna die. Uh. <laughs> so this is him after he's teleported, and this is him arriving in what we call the realm. So this is a it's a, a kind of a fictitious world that he's in between, you know, because um John had originally wanted him to go to the North Pole, but he also told me he wanted creatures in the woods. I said, Well, how are there woods the North Pole, John? Right. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> he goes, How are you gonna explain woods in the Arctic? And I'm like, Oh crap. Yeah, well, we can we can alter my, my story a little bit here. He's really no it's like nowhere's nowhere land right now is where he's kind of at in this scene. Well, if you hadn't said anything, I wouldn't even have thought of it. I would have just yeah. kept reading. Well, my kids would call me out on that too. Like, Dad, there's no trees at the North Pole. What are you doing? Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. My my 13 year old, if she was reading this, she'd be like, "You don't see anything wrong, really?" Yeah. <sighs> you know, give me the ah, uh, and you know, I'd hear her rolling her eyes as she walked away. The kids are very involved with it. My daughter's eight, so she does a lot of the modeling for Will too. So she's very active in that, and I'll dress her up as Will and let her pose out and things and. Pretty fun. This, however, does not look fun. <laughs> I don't want to be eight and run into that anywhere. I got scared when the possum walked by here the other night. <laughs> I was going to say, I go, I don't want to be 52 and walk by that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this was... not, not until I install the, the nitrous and the jet skis on my wheelchair. Yeah. These pages are, I could not wait for Joel to get to because the, the chase scene 
was like one of the first things I wrote for this. Um, and I just could picture it in my head like a movie. And I just, I could not wait to see it on, on paper. And he did, he blew away what I wanted. So, um, you know, there's a few pages before this where the kid thinks he's in the clear and he pops out of the, the hollow tree and here we are. So <laughs> I would have run so fast. You would have heard the racing stripe <laughs> in my underwear. <laughs> <laughs> So that's the variant cover for the Kickstarter. So that's the one you get on the Kickstarter variant issue, right? So that's only available through Kickstarter. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 25 and up, I believe we'll see here. That's so anyone that backs us 25 or higher gets that special Kickstarter cover. Oh, cool. Uh, you guys doing overseas shipping? Yep. We'll ship anywhere yep. in the world. So even if we have to lose money on it, that's cool. No big deal. Just to get the book out there. You got it. Yes. Uh, and this tear would be good for the kids that refuse to pick up an actual form of medium besides an iPad. <laughs> you have to offer it now, but yeah. you know, I don't know. Except when their father's using it to be on a stream. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Joel. Yeah. That was a that was a jab at you. I know. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he heard he heard that. I heard it. They don't touch this thing. They know better. <laughs> so there's something to say though, right? About like just having the physical book in your hand. And, and Joel and I, we we want to do this for every single livid comic. So the hope is that we continue to make money so we can. But we have it on really thick, nice paper. You know, better than industry standard. Um, mm -hmm. It's so. To, to have it digitally is great, but just, I don't, when, when he sent me the, the PDF of the comic, I was, I was pretty excited. But when he got these shipped to his house, I was like, I'm driving to your house now. You're 45 minutes away. Uh, I wanted this thing in my hand and it just feels so nice. So. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's the, that's the big thing too with, with indie books, because the print runs are so much smaller, obviously than, you know, you know, even a small press publisher would do. So it's going to cost you, you know, X amount of times more to print the book. So you figure you might as well go up uh, for the superior card stock on the, on the cover, uh, better paper inside and, and better quality overall. So these books all look better than anything that any of the publishers are putting out. Right. Yeah. That's it. You know, we have a, we have a, higher a little higher retail price than most you know like a dc book or an image book but it, we figure we can get that price if we provide you that quality quality mm -hmm. always sells right so if you feel like you're getting that in value that's exactly what we wanted to offer yeah like i'm a, i complain about everything <laughs> so it, it's just my nature if if there's an open spot i will bitch about something <laughs> Uh, well, you're a New Englander, so that's what I we was going to say. It. Yes, yeah. it's what we do. You know, right. I got mad when they filled the pothole. I mean, that's where I went fishing. Uh, <laughs> I think that missing uh, Malaysian plane landed in one. I think that's where it went. <laughs> I sold it for scrap. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I'll go into like I work. I've worked on and off for years and years at my main LCS. Like I. I pay, I patronize, you know, a few other stores and, you know, if I go to a store for like an event, 
even if it's free, I make sure I buy something there. You know, right. being the comic nerd I am, I will always find something to buy. Uh, usually, like you know, if they've got if they got some nice nice wall books, you know, I'll probably find an issue I don't have to fill a spot in my collection. You know, it gives me it gives me a chance to open up my CLZ app and just scan in a new book and be, uh, but it's you know it it's crazy. There's so many stores now that are supporting you know indie comics that uh you know that thing things are looking up i know uh uh varian grant over at indie vault uh he's got about a hundred stores online right now that are are taking books i know the collective it uh just in central florida they they support tons and tons of indie creators. If they think there's a market for a book and the that the story and stuff will resonate with their huge audience, they'll they'll go in. They've they've I know some creators that they've ordered like often like three or four times for like their first book. Cause wow. it, it it would sell out like one book I know of, uh, 47 Furious Tales, uh, sold out like the first weekend they had it on the shelf. Wow. That's awesome. Just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked with Varian. Uh, we were on his, we were on, uh, um, Indie Vault, uh, mm -hmm. last week. So, um, I know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was one of the smart ass people in the live chat. That's right. Actually, you did say something. Yeah. That rings a bell. Um, he was prepared for our nonsense, John. He did some research ahead of time. So. Yeah. 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 To your point, Will, you know, that's, you know, it's really important. A lot of these, you know, up here, especially like New Hampshire, man, like we don't have, like a lot of the LCS doesn't carry a lot of indie stuff. And I go there looking for it, right? Because I want to support other indie writers and indie artists and stuff. And that was even back in the days when I was in the band, you know, I would go to specific music stores that just had local stuff. And because like the big chains didn't have it. And I'm looking for it. And I would spend more money getting the things that were mainstream at these indie record stores because they had the indie bands that I was looking for also. So I was buying both. So in many mm -hmm. ways, you know, it can be beneficial for them to carry indie comics to get people in to also buy the mainstream titles as well. So that's something you really need to consider and start thinking about because there's definitely a huge market for that right now. Yeah, and, and people are dropping... Uh you know, DC and Marvel books, you know, like a hot potato mm. or dare I say, like, like DC is dropping employees, uh, being canceled. All right. We talked about that. Right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, can't cancel. Yeah, they didn't have Batman. I mean, they didn't have Batman, man. Ooh, boy. <laughs> oh, yeah. they didn't have Batman. They'd be done though. And they're going to be, they're going to be canning a whole, whole bunch of more people. Cause you know, they went from, AT&T to now being owned by uh, Discover. Oh, jeez, yeah. I'm like, a credit card company bought you. Right, yeah. How the mighty have fallen. I think they need some more, like, human interest stories, although I did pick up Nice House on the Lake this week, on DC Black Label. Yeah, and that's I, good. It's the Black really, Label stuff, all the Black Label stuff, so much better than the other anything, stuff. Anything else they put out? Yeah. Yeah. People like the human interest stories right now. That's a big thing. We talk about that because, um, you know, we all became 
a human interest story, right? Over the last year and a half, we got thrust into a situation that none of us were prepared for or wanted to deal with, yet here we are dealing with it, right? So mm -hmm. we can relate to those type of stories, I think, now more than ever. Yeah, very much so, Rios. Yeah. It's because uh, uh, what I was getting at is I'd go, you know, I'd go to my, my LCS and I'd go to, you know, I'd go and pick up books and I would look around and I would, I would spend like a good 20 minutes bitching about, you know, the cover price of these Marvel and DC books. Just to turn around and go online and spend $25 on an indie comic. <laughs> right. You know, but it's like, I'm surprised there's not more of the speculators diving into the indie comics for the fact that their big thing is uh, it either has to be a newsstand variant or it has to it has to be a limited print run. Well, everything in indie comics is a limited friggin' print run. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, exactly. it's however many they sell on the campaign it's how many they have and i know with with the conventions coming back i know people uh order like a certain a lot of a lot of creators order like a certain percentage over so they have some stock to bring with them to whatever uh local shows or one big show that they're going to do that year you guys planning on any convention appearances yep. store store appearances obviously out of new hampshire <laughs> well we have granite state uh granite con is a granite state con uh, in in manchester uh, mm -hmm. september 18th and 19th i believe are the two dates and we got a table there for that um uh we'd love to get to more um uh, but the thing is is we wanted to go to a con where we had multiple titles on the table we didn't want just you one you know um so um the hope was that by September we'll have Yule One, Yule Two, and then uh, issue one of Deadball, the other series we're working on, on the table. Um, and Joel and I have talked about um, doing a little wholesale stuff, getting some other indie comics on the table from other areas of the country. You know, we've been talking to some some different indie creators from around the the U.S. to to get mm -hmm. their their stuff up here. But um, we have that show. I think. It would be wonderful to get down to the Boston show, um, but uh, we we would love to get into the, the comic shops too, the LCSs, and, and do some signings, some um, some bookstores around here. Um, we've we've talked to, um, so it's still a um, you know a lot of moving parts, but that is definitely the intention. We got the one con locked up. We want to do more. Uh, we definitely want to do some some store stuff here once we have the physical copies. So. I know my LCS does a huge thing for uh, Halloween. They do the they do free comic book day this year. They push theirs back to uh, next month, but in Halloween they do uh, the uh, not Oktoberfest the Hall Halloween fest. Duh. Uh, they do Halloween fest, and it's it's taken to a different level there. Because the owner's son, who is now almost 19, uh, has loved nothing but Halloween since he was like five. Is my son from the future? Did he travel with the Kasi? Uh, <laughs> um, you walk into this shop and half of the shop are animatronic 
and full set props from Spirit Halloween. Oh, man. Uh, he works two part-time jobs every year. One is for Spirit Halloween. This year, he can actually work full-time. So he's, he's, he's getting a little past excited. Uh, and then he gets all dressed up and goes and works like one of the horror attractions at night. Oh, man. You're, you're and, talking about my son in the future. This is creepy. This and is he, spent, he spends all his money on, on, on Halloween props. <laughs> oh, man. If I, if to tell you everything you're saying to me right now is just, it's hilarious because I'm in my office in my basement on the other side of me. Well, I'm not going to show the camera because there's a lot of clutter too, but, uh, no, if you my, want clutter, you can just look behind me. <laughs> my, my basement, my shed out back, um, Halloween animatronics make up way too much space at my house. And, my son, his biggest gift for Christmas every year, he asked for an animatronic. So he he sets them. There was people driving by on Christmas where he's set his smoke machine up with his zombie animatronic in my driveway, driving by on Christmas, and I'm just like, don't don't ask. This will. He wants to to work at a. I think he wants to build the sets, not not even necessarily be one of the people that scares. He wants to to construct the whole. Um, like horror, oh, he does. He does this too. He's uh, there is there is about a uh, two by four foot span, and in uh, his bedroom that where his bed is that is not one hundred percent covered <laughs> by Halloween stuff. But keep in mind, it's suspended over over his bed. It's it's all around him, and for like the last. Eight years, his dad's been teaching him how to repair these things. Oh, that's awesome. He was, you are not buying another one of those. You already have one. Mine's not working. What's wrong with it? Okay, we're going to take it apart, and I'm going to show you how to fix it. I'm guessing also, like my son, then he probably watches all the YouTube videos, uh, the unboxing of the spirit animatronics, how to put them together. Even though my son doesn't have these animatronics, he knows how to put them all together. I'm like, man, like... <laughs> What are you doing? <laughs> you know, like I needed to feel worse about myself that my friend's 18-year-old son has like well over 6,000 subscribers on his YouTube channel. <laughs> and I'm battling to get a lousy 300. <laughs> it's tough on YouTube, man. You can't do like follow for follow on their stuff. So that's that's a tough one. Oh, no, you, you, you can't. And, and yeah. then YouTube just goes around and they like – unsubscribe like thousands of people a day on purpose yeah you know yeah, they want a thousand to go live i mean that's a lot of people man that's a i could you, see a hundred sure you know but a thousand you a need a thousand subscribers and four thousand watched hours of content on your channel yeah we've been battling algorithms and everything just to get this campaign promoted and that's challenging too. You know, I read a couple of weeks ago that only 5.2% of people see anything that you post online and we're not about to pay those guys. We paid them a very short dollar campaign just to see what would happen and nothing happened. We're like, this no. is just a total waste of time. No, none of the ads do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And lucky for you, uh, the 5.2% of the people that saw yours <laughs> all emptied their wallets into the campaign. <laughs> Yeah, right. So, <laughs> yeah. 
Yep. We we've been we've been pretty aggressive. We uh, yeah, four thousand hours stop. have to be watched in a year. That yeah. is that is crazy. So I I, I think I'm about four thousand minutes. <laughs> People are like, oh, it's this guy again. We're bored with him. Let's go. You know, and there's nobody has an attention span anymore because everything's instantaneous. Exactly. Yeah. They say if you don't hook somebody in the first 15 seconds with your video, you're you're out. Right. So they move yeah. on to the next. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just, you know, it's just crazy. So Rogerio is uh, actually going to be working with us on Dead Ball. So he's watching the show in Brazil. So he's our artist for Dead Ball. So he's been crashing here tonight with us, too. Oh, yeah. I know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he, of course, he's doing he did a heel turn, too. So, yeah. Right. Yep. He actually subscribed to my channel. There you go. Well, you're going to get at least two more from John and I tonight. So, like, oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, Yay. Hey, indie support and indie, right? <laughs> we we want to, the people that are helping us out, we want to help out too. So, it, it seems kind of, we've had people on the, that had us on their show and they're like, hey, do you mind sharing the show? No one ever does that. And we're like, why would they not share it? What's the point in going on if you're not going to promote your own interview? <laughs> you know, so it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I know. I, I try to give, you know, send out like the, the YouTube link because uh, I, I shared out and, and Pop shared out, uh, shared out to his channel, uh, my podcast channel on, on Facebook. Uh, I'm also, I'm, I'm content delivery manager for outright geekery. So I share all my, all my podcasts go there because they've got like almost 24,000 followers. So you would think with 24,000, at least a, a thousand would like your channel, right? Get, get you hooked up. <laughs> if all my channel did was post memes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm like, we only want to see memes, and then we want to go back and rewatch Loki again because we saw the frog in the trash can. Or, or have a nude variant. You could do that because those are always hugely popular, right? <laughs> yeah. Unlike, you know, it's like everybody wants the naughty covers. I go, don't you like the naughty covers? I love the naughty covers. I have a teenage daughter. I can't buy the naughty covers. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's what Joel was saying about drawing them. It's like, you know, I don't want my daughter coming around. Daughter's coming around watching me draw this stuff. Uh, yeah, know, it's, it. You know, it, it's it's not even that. It's you know, do you not realize adult entertainment is free on the internet? That's what John says. <laughs> John's like, no, Pornhub's free now. Right? So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're paying for animated you know, boobs. And it's like, you don't have to have monthly subscriptions anymore. Like you don't have to watch through scramble vision, you know? Oh man, you must have one arm way stronger than the other. John. <laughs> <laughs> you just brought, you just brought back a memory from, you know, 15 year old me. Oh, yeah. thank you. If I wait, I might see a flicker of something. And, ugh. <laughs> Trying to hide uh, the tapes in your room and your mom wouldn't find them, right? You're trying to bury them. Your mom always found them. She always found them, right? So. <laughs> Worse, when you accidentally tape one of the one of the ones you brought home over a movie that your mother likes by accident, oh, and yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep. or even worse, a, fr a friend of mine <laughs> rented one. Said my parents don't care if I watch these. 
and uh, it got stuck in his parent. It got jammed oh, in his parents' VCR. <laughs> and then we used to put the piece of tape over the VHS, that little square you can pick out, right? You put the tape over it so you can record over, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like you break the tab, and then if you need to get rid of that, you tape over it. But, yep. hey, you know, there's nothing worse than, you know, you being like, the game's on. I got to tape the game so I got to go to work. And then you find out that you used the tape that uh, your wedding video was on. Yeah. <laughs> the kids yeah. don't know the struggles these days. Right? No, yeah, they really. have it so easy. John, there's a horror book you could write right there. <laughs> it'd be a, a one-shot because he would be dead by the end. But Right. <laughs> This uh, pledge without a reward ten dollar tier is always cracks me up because the first person I interviewed uh, for for a crowdfunder was uh, Graham Nolan, the co-creator of Bane for DC, and uh, he was just putting out his his indie book, uh, The Chanu, and uh, he actually changed somehow changed this where instead of saying pledge without a reward, it said buy Graham a beer. $10. <laughs> and a couple of hundred people bought him a $10 beer. So wow. I'm figuring it had to be Guinness and include a tip for the bartender. All right. There you go. <laughs> or it could be a beer at Fenway. That's plausible too, like a half a beer. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, the cup is $10 and the beer is $13.95. Yeah, there you go. Why? Well, because we want to keep, you know, alcohol consumption down. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's why we all drink outside. That's right. Yeah, we used to get two, two steel reserves and drink them in the parking lot before we'd head in. That was the move. Yeah. <laughs> it's cheaper to go to a restaurant across from Fenway than it is to buy, you know, a $30 sausage and onion sandwich on the outside. <laughs> yeah. So tier three, this is the Kickstarter exclusive cover, uh, stickers, and ooh, a limited sticker. edition trading card. Yeah, there's yeah. the sticker right there. I'm holding it up on the screen for you. So the holographic sticker, right? It's pretty cool. There you oh, go. Shiny. Yeah, little, little effect to it. It's the die cut. Yep. Oh, that's nice. Good size, not ridiculous. Sometimes you get these stickers, man. They're like half the size of your hood. I love how I love how we were able to fit both logos, the the livid logo and the Yule logo, in the sticker and still have it not be massive. So, yeah, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I like that. The, trading card trading cards are coming back. They're getting yeah. <laughs> very popular again. It's the '90s all over again. That's it. I used to buy the Marvel cards, right, with the hologram. Awesome. I just I just sold mine for like a hundred dollars. Yeah, they got hot. What some people were saying, what were they calling it? Like, um, I forget who the who the character was, but like, oh, it's his rookie card. <laughs> they're they're spinning it as that angle. Like, you got to have it because it's his rookie card. <laughs> it was some speculator that probably had about three cases of those still sitting in his basement, wondering what he could do. So he just made up an internet rumor on the speculator page that he so runs. And all of a sudden, they just blew up. Yeah. It's like, let's see if this works. It worked. Yeah. So what you great. do? I go, well, I got $100, and I backed three more indie campaigns. So. I like to say in the 90s, the holograms were like 
even when they were newer, like you get them at the, uh, the the store for like five bucks a piece. So when you opened up a pack, you got the hologram. You're pretty pumped because five dollars in the nineties is like fifty now. So. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I had I had all the holograms except for uh, the the what was it Spider Man versus Hobgoblin or, yes. or Green Goblin? Yes. Yeah. That was the only I didn't have the versus one. I had I had the other four, and apparently all anybody cared about was was the Wolverine hologram. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't care. I still have the Wolverine hologram on the on issue 25 where Magneto ripped his adamantium off. <laughs> you know, so it's like it was all good stuff back then. Yeah. So the fifty dollar one is the Kickstarter exclusive cover. Oh, and the poster. Yeah. That's the poster right behind me here. Uh, that's the poster that they'd be getting. 16 by 20. It's hard to tell by John's size there. Yeah, it's pretty far back. So. Wow, you're huge, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Poster of the, a poster of the exclusive Kickstarter cover. Yeah, we'll sign those too. They come signed, whatever. That's okay. Cool. Hook you up. Signed is good. Hundred bucks, all of the above, plus a limited T-shirt and baseball hat. Yeah, trucker cap, right? That's a breaker breaker one nine. Get your livid cap, right? So, yeah, right. <laughs> when you're rolling down I ninety in your big rig, you want people to know you're livid. So that's why we got that. And I'm in a wheelchair, and people already know I'm livid. <laughs> why are you livid? Well, because every pretty girl, I tell them, hey, save on gas, ride the handicapped, and I get smacked right across the face every time. <laughs> An original signed sketch from Joel. And everything. Wow. Uh, what's the, uh, it's it's obviously a pencil sketch, and uh, what what's the uh, size of the sketch, Joel? Those are going to be either eight and a half by 11 or maybe 11 by 14. I have a bunch of stuff that I did working on this book. I'm um, just trying to come up with what the heck does will look like? What do the, what do the uh, smoke dragons look like? Right. So I got books and books of this stuff. So I figured, yeah, I'll just tear off a page and send it out. So depending on the, which sketch pad it happened to be in minimum of eight, eight by 11, but yeah, that'll go out to you too. So, you know, if the thing ever hit big, right. And it might be cool to have something original. I'm a big, uh, golden age horror fan like man i'm looking for something by jack davis right now i'd love to find original jack davis so oh, if yeah. i could hop on something like that back in the day i would have been loving it so that's kind of what that's all about so you're giving away people that get this tier could more than likely be getting concept sketches from yeah. your very first comic so if you if you hit you know you hit scott hannah status uh, right. Somebody could be sitting on on a bunch of cash. Yeah. So would, if well, if somebody wanted to speculate on something, I would speculate on that. Yeah, that's cool. I was at uh, the show in April <coughs> up up here in Concord, and the guy had a table full of like, geez, Jack Kirby stuff, and I mean, just book after book of the stuff. And it's like, man, how the hell did you get that? Did you like rob his house or something? And I mean, just a sketch like that was like forty five hundred dollars. So it was crazy, you know. Oh yeah, yes. Yeah. I was 
years ago, he used to come into the club. I used to be friends with a, with a comic book art dealer. And the stuff he was in possession of, just, you know, he wouldn't come within five feet of me because as soon as I looked, I just, I just stopped drooling out the corner of my mouth, you know? Right. Uh, he would, he would, he knew I was uh, a big Jim Aparo fan because I, I grew up, you know, my, my favorite Batman book when I was a kid was Brave and the Bold. So it was always Batman and another, another person that you might not see as often. Right. So right. it was, it was cool. It was a great team up book and, uh, you know, good stuff. And, but I liked him on like the horror stuff, like, you know, on Spectre and, uh, you know, all those, all, all the, all the mystical, uh, titles that were back in the day, dead man and all that. And, uh, so he, he would bring, he brought in an original cover. It still had like the yellowing tape up of the, of the oh, I love it. logo and the words and everything for, uh, cover of strange adventures with the uh, phantom stranger on the cover. Wow. Like just yeah, like a awesome. huge image, like a bust of phantom stranger on the front cover. And I'm like, I go, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It's incredible. That stuff still survives. Like, you know, it's mind blowing. I'd love the um, IDW artist edition books they are putting out. Those damn things are going to bankrupt me. I got the Jim Lee. You get, you get so many of those things. Yeah. Most of the EC ones. I, I got all those. Um, just phenomenal stuff. The um, one of the Johnny Craig, no, I'm sorry, Wally Wood cover uh, just sold at auction um, for eight hundred and forty thousand dollars for an original Wally Wood cover. Just uh, eight hundred forty grand, crazy. Uh, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, uh, this guy also had uh, this guy also had original Jack Kirby stuff. Yeah, I Jack guess Jack Kirby, would just give it away though. Like if you came to his house, he'd be like, "Here, have some art," and just throw it at you. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Uh, his wife would make you lunch, and he'd throw art at you if you just stopped by. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Well, yeah. Because Jack worked for both Marvel and DC, and he designed the whole uh, superpowers line. He did all those comics, and he does he designed the original uh, piece to show you know, the Hasbro board of what they wanted to do, you know, with a cartoon and this, that, and the other thing. And this guy had the original black and white Jack Kirby piece that was, <laughs> oh, I don't know, like uh, three feet high by six feet wide. Jeez. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I go, dude, I hate you. Go away. He goes, I got you in here for free. I go, Yeah. To you know, stick my nose in, in the dog poo, but you know, <laughs> what the hell, right? <laughs> oh, now we're getting into good stuff here. Yeah, an original page signed on comic book Bristol board. Everything signed, signed, signed. Yeah. But an original page out of the book. Yeah. How, how many pages are you uh, set to give away on this? So the book's 22 uh, that are illustrated. And we have our, you know, covers and things. So I guess it'd be 22 on that one. Right. So one of each done. 
that's big right there. That's uh, that's that's you guys just buying. So for five hundred, you're going to buy an original page of original art, and they're just going to give you all the rest of the stuff for free. Pretty much. Yeah. That, that's how you got to look at it. Yeah. Appear in an upcoming issue where you will be killed. You could be. It depends on how John writes it, right? So we were talking this through. Yeah. And sometimes when you back these types of uh, reward tiers on Kickstarter, you know, you're in the background or whatever. We're like, man, I don't think we're going to set any limitation to this. So you could become a sub character, appear in multiple panels, multiple pages, maybe multiple issues. It really depends on where John sticks you and who you are. And maybe you'll get your own uh, spinoff. Who knows, right? I don't know where it's going to go. So it could be a big thing, right? Yeah. Really could. You never can tell. I know uh, the uh, one of the guys from the Morning Roast show, uh, Sugar Chris, he, uh, he likes getting put in books and killed. <laughs> John, you might have to do that. So we'd have to talk to whoever picks up that tier. We'd have to see what they yeah. want to do. So. Yeah. yeah, zombie versions of you, right? You can do that, right? So, Will Will can meet everybody. You know, Will in the book, he time travels, goes through different dimensions. You can say, "Hey, man, I want to see myself as a, I don't know, some type of a lizard monster." Great, we'll do it. So, whatever you want. Right? So we'll yeah, I mean, as he's time traveling, and you know, you can take the person that takes this tier, and uh, and they could be getting killed in different ways, like in every issue going forward. Or maybe he saves <laughs> yeah. them, or or he causes something to make them actually get killed because he's a kid and stupid. So <laughs> that could be too. <laughs> well, that's part of the story is you know he he needs to figure this this device out. You know he's going to make some mistakes up front, so you never know. But he may accidentally I, get you killed by an eight year old boy. So that's right. All right. <laughs> what we can what we can, what we can promise is it, you know if they're putting this much money on the table for something like this, we're not going to put them in the background of a panel, right? It, it's yeah. obviously going to make it worth their while. So yeah. Be super cool. And stretch goals, because this is what we're going to now, right? Yeah. So this the 1500 one is already unlocked. Ooh, a patch. Iron on, too. None of that sewing nonsense, because I suck at sewing, and probably the rest of the world does, too. So, <laughs> right? so yeah, we, up, we upgraded to the iron on. So we went crazy. It's still a patch. Pat patches are always popular. Yeah. We used to do that, man. We had the denim jackets, right, back in high school, loaded with stuff. Right? Yeah. My, my dad had the, I remember uh, the old hat with all the like little patches all over it and like pins and stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. The Vietnam War era, you know, uh, what was that little, the jacket that they wear? That was the shit when I was in high school. We would have those with all the band patches on them. We, the denim jacket was a little out. We moved into the Vietnam War era military coat. Yeah, we go to the we go to the uh, the used military store there and and try yeah. to find a coat in our size, uh, you know, to put all kinds of cool patches on it, and yeah. you can buy like patches like right there at the counter for like you know fifty cents a buck a piece, whatever, and uh, and you have to ask your grandfather which goes where and. Uh, then you would realize there is a pocket inside of these that kind of stays hidden where you can sneak in bottles of whiskey to school. Allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. 
I allegedly got expelled for selling shots of whiskey at school. <laughs> I was I was the I was the entrepreneur that was and I had choices. You could you could get Soco or Jack. Uh, wow. <laughs> do you want left breast or right breast? What pocket do you want? You know. And this the livid comics ghostly white yo-yo yeah the kids are very excited about this my girls saw me mocking that up and they're like are you doing yo-yos and i'm like yes we are so they they're counting the days till the yo-yo comes my younger daughter teased my oldest uh, today and said dad's getting the yo-yos today and i'm like no they're coming in towards the end of the one but she's like so she was yelling at her sister about it she's that excited about it so did you ask her if she was backing us or, yeah right. No. Spending my money back in this. Right? <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, no. That's going to get you a green dot card, and you're going to have to buy the book with the tear that uh, you get the yo-yo with. All right. Yeah. Make her work it off. You know? Yeah. You have to hold the, the, the thing, I mean, the thing with our with this book and this series is that our target audience is really, uh, you know, Joel's made the reference you know, anywhere from seven years old up to 80 you know we we have a wide target audience so we got to have stuff that's going to please everybody and i am not 80. <laughs> well you're still within seven to 80 so you're in the target yeah you, you still fit the range <laughs> yeah um but I'm in, I'm in there somewhere but the uh the kids they my son too they you know every kid we mentioned the yo-yo too they they want it so hopefully it's a hit yeah, we'll like having that. We'll have some extras at the Comic Con too. You know, it might hook some kids up. We're really, really big on you know getting kids excited and involved. That's a big thing. Um, one thing I did today is um, we started. If you send us your address, your kid, I'll write you a letter and draw you a sketch and send it to you. Like, because that was big when I was a kid. I was actually a big um, New England Comics Ben Endland fan with the Tick, and I'd write to oh, them, yeah. and he'd write me back and send me stuff. And I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. And even. Um, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird were just down the road here at Turtles, right? When I was seven, eight years old, just fanboy geeking out like, man, I really like your stuff. I'd send them a letter and they'd do the same thing. They'd send back a little sketch. I don't know where the hell it went. I've moved 19 times since then. Just the course of life, unfortunately, has lost that stuff. But I used to have original little notes from them. And so I want to do the same thing for the kids. So that's something John and I started doing now is somebody wants to just, you know, message us their address. We'll write their kid a little thing and send it off to them, a little sketch or something. That's big for us. Cool. Yeah. My daughter's name is Will. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I mean, she. Uh... <laughs> so I was always bad with yo-yos as a kid. Like doing doing the tricks and everything. Yeah, yeah I could do a couple moves. I like the butterfly Duncan because you could kind of cheat a little bit with that one because you could kind of yeah. plot. Yeah, that was the move. And it had cool colors on it. That's right. Uh, the light up one. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was really bad with it until I find, found out that the yo-yo is a toy now, but used to be a weapon. And in, in, in ancient times, I'm like, used to be a weapon. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I would spend like three hours a day, like before bed, practicing with my yo-yo, uh, setting up my old Mego figures and G.I. Joe's as targets. <laughs> I was like, I need to get good enough so when the next kid like starts pushing me around on the way to school, I could just take my yo-yo out and whack. 
Right. Do, do stuff that I can't say on YouTube because sit down. <laughs> you know, we used to have those two. Remember the two plastic balls that were on the string with the little thing in the middle, right? You'd, oh you'd, yeah, the clackers. Yeah, and you'd like break your wrist with that, right? <laughs> yeah, my my mother had like one of the old old ones that I mean, you know, if you threw it like a bolero, you would literally kill somebody. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Or you go to the fair and the guy would be selling authentic Chinese throwing stars. You had to buy those if you were like mine too, right? So, <laughs> the knife guy at the fair. Nope, I right. kicked out of shop class because every time we had metal shop, we'd we'd one of us would always make you know throwing stars and and get caught and get and and you know get kicked out of shop, be banned from shop class, and you know the rest of us all thought that you know. Well, he was stupid. I can get away with it. Allegedly, we were smoking weed out back by the vent in shop class, and allegedly we got kicked out for that. So, <laughs> allegedly, I got kicked out of uh, mechanical drawing. I didn't understand something, so I would ask the teacher, and he would yell and scream at me and called me retarded. So, uh, one day I skipped school, and he left the top down on his convertible. And I threw about 20 packets of, of opened up jello into his car and took this, the hose from the janitor from the school parking lot. I just, I put it in there, tied it off, turned it on full blast and walked away. <laughs> Allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly. Yeah. I got to preface everything. Right. Oh man. So this is cool. Yeah. So this is also the image that's going to be on the trade card too. Um, but I'll let Joel talk about this, but this is one of my favorite things he's done, you know, this whole time. So I love this. Yeah. That's my homage to Drew Struzan there. So this has some of the characters that we're going to meet in issue two. So it has the main antagonist, uh, Ragnar. He's the, the dark black elf guy there to Will's, I guess, well, our left, if we're looking at it above the female elf. So he's the main villain. So the other characters are kind of his henchmen, other than uh, Vega. She's sitting on the Yule logo. She's uh, a friend of Einar, who's the good elf, who's right above the Kasi holding his axe blade there. So there's some creatures that are involved that Ragnar has found through time and space. Some of them are aliens. Some of them are, I don't know, demonic, I guess. And some of them are just from different experiences in world history. They showed up in history went a little differently. So you're going to meet those guys in the next few issues here coming up. So kind of a segue into that too. So we don't see them in issue one, but you'll see them in issue two. Yeah. It's a little bit of a spoiler. You see a lot of the characters from issue two here because really issue one, it's, it's Will and, and Einar, the, the good elf there above the Kasi. So, um, and then obviously the, the smoke dragons there uh, up don't to the top left. Don't think of it as a spoiler. Think of it as a preview. Yeah. A teaser. Yeah. 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 So that's the air freshener, and it's uh, black ice, of course. You know, black like our soul, icy like our hearts, right? So everybody loves black <laughs> ice. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Especially in New England. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> now, this one right here, this is what we're, we're, we've been trying to get to here for, for a few days. We're so close uh, to this cover variant, so... Shut up, you. Somebody wants you. <laughs> oh. 
so that's to shut up my tablet. I wanted to do a horizontal cover. Um, I don't think we see enough of those, and it's just something mm-hmm. different. So I want to do a horizontal cover. So I did. There it is. And you and you wanted. Oh. <laughs> it's got to be my daughter's mother. I thought you'd be done by now. I need somebody to talk to. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> Tell her to come on the show. Put her on. <laughs> oh no! I have her blocked on everything. Are you crazy? <laughs> I get really pissed that I actually block her on my phone for like up to a month. So, so yeah, I like the uh, the timeless Terra uh, little homage to EC going on. You got it. Yeah, and part of that too is um, when they're fanned out on the shelf at the LCS, right? So I go there, and I, you know the titles are all kind of stacked and fanned out. And I don't know what the heck these things are about without, you know, picking each and every one up and flipping through and say, okay, that's a horror book. Okay, that's a traditional superhero book. So this way, when they're fanned out on the shelf, you can go, all right, I'm looking for a horror title. Well, boom, I can see it right there. Okay, it's a, you know, it's a horror book. And when you look at some of that old EC stuff, it's like that intentionally because when also when they were in the wire racks or on the shelf, that top box that was on the EC comic, that was all that was showing. Tales from the Crypt, whatever, mm-hmm. that's all you could see. So you knew exactly what it was. So that's why it had a little bit of marketing component to it, too. Yeah. Usually if I if I see uh if I see like like an EC homage cover. Yeah. I buy it. Me too. I don't <laughs> I, I don't even care if it's like a friggin' my little pony book. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I'll buy it and my daughter'll be like, oh, that's for me. I don't even read those anymore. Yeah, go, right. No, it's for me. And then she'll make fun of me and call me a brony, but I won't care because it's got the EC cover. That's right. <laughs> yeah, they got the uh, the beer they're making too. It's pale from the crypt. There's the beer that's coming out. Uh, I think it's, um, I think they're called Liquid Gravity is making that. I, you can't get it up here yet. So, But the cans are fantastic. So they got the same look to the classic EC titles and things on each one of their beers. And I'm going to buy them just to have the cans around. I won't drink them either. I might buy one of the drinks. <laughs> yeah, you got to test it. Yeah. Yeah. You got to buy two, six, you got to buy two, you know, six packs. You you drink one and then you just put the others up for display and make sure they don't fall off the shelf. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Add-ons. So what do you got? Is everything we've looked at available as an add-on? It should be, I believe, right? If it isn't, if, if it's not yet, it will be. So Yeah. If it's not, it's just because we didn't get it in there properly. But yeah, every every physical thing should be available. And then big, bold print. Shipping fees are not included in your pre-order. Yeah. Gotta so we want to ship back. at cost. We don't. We're not UPS. We're not FedEx, right? We're not trying to make money on shipping. So whatever it mm-hmm. is, it is, right? Well, yeah, and you even went above and beyond to like show the chart of what each region, like what it should cost, so people know we're not, you know, trying to make money on the shipping itself. It's it's really just when you're shipping out all these rewards, especially the bigger stuff, you're going to lose money on your campaign if if, if you want to offer any larger cool rewards so united states alaska and hawaii africa middle east asia australia will cost you your firstborn uh (laughs) k 
Canada. Just move out of there. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to see somebody in Africa back this. That would be pretty rad, actually. Yeah. Right? I'd be into that. We've had a couple of UK people, right? But that's just, I think that's the only other country. Or the I don't even other... know if China would let us in. We'd probably be like right. some threat to the communist regime or something. I don't know if they'd let us get in there, but I'd take a shot. I, I'll send it. I don't know if it'll arrive, but I'll try. So so right right there tells me that nobody that works for Nike will be buying this then. Because <laughs> Nike is China. Yeah. Uh, Europe. Yeah, we know lots and lots of UK people. Like, I was just doing three episodes a week, and now I'm doing up to six because there's so many overseas people. Yep. And I'm like, they're like anywhere from like five to nine hours ahead of us. Right. You know, lucky them living in the future. Um, right. <laughs> they know all the stupid crap I did already before I did it. And, uh, so I I go I'll go live at like one in the afternoon. So if it's uh you know if they're in the UK like say, you know, you know London or Wales, uh, one o'clock for us for me for us is like six o'clock for them. Right. So you know make it a decent time so their people can see it and everything. And I'm like, and it gives me extra shows. But now I'm uh, I'm on with you tonight. I have. Two tomorrow, I have an art show that goes on every Wednesday at 11 at night. Uh, then this week, our Thursday stream is postponed to the weekend, uh, which is me and another guy from Outright Geekery. We do a show called OK Boomer, the podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we just we talk about old back issues gold and silver and bronze age stuff oh perfect That's we awesome. pick like we pick like a different book like every week this week we're doing the uh we're doing the uh first issue of the original sandman run oh nice yeah last john's week a, john's last a big week. neil gaiman fan too right so i used yeah. to be yeah until you know all his stuff came to you know came to fruition with here are all the people that are reading parts in the book reading, and here are all their pronouns. I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm reading the, uh, the the Lock and Key Sandman crossover right now because we're big Joe Hill fans too, and the Lock and oh, Key yeah. was, was phenomenal. So, yeah, and I I did a brief stint at a shop here, Exeter, New Hampshire. I was uh, teaching kids art there. And uh, Joe Hill would actually come in. So I met him a couple of times. He's a cool dude. So it was nice. You come in, talk with the kids, sign stuff and things. And we're a big uh, Joe Hill fan. So we love that stuff. Yeah, he's done, he's done some really great stuff. So, Oh, yeah. It's inc I wish I had uh, gotten the draw of the Lock and Key series because my mind just goes reading that. It's like, this is great. You know? What would I have done here? You know, then you look at Gabriel Rodriguez's work and you're just like, yeah, that beats what I would have done. So right? that guy's like. A magician. He just slays that book. And and this is what John looks like without a hat. <laughs> no, not right now. No, my this is bef this is pre-COVID before I was stuck at home for a year with my kids. Uh, my my <laughs> hair is getting a little thinner now. So, so after an hour of homeschooling, did you just grab the bottle of whiskey? Everybody's graduated. <laughs> yeah, yeah right. pretty much. <laughs> Again, this oh. is my homage to EC, right? Like the old witch, right? The crypt keeper. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. 
and instead of a crypt keeper, it's you uh, with a mullet. Uh, I just haven't cut my hair for like 18 months since the COVID <laughs> shit happened. I'm like, I'm not dealing with that stuff out in the world, man. I'm just going to stay home. I'm out in the country out here and I don't like going to the city and nobody sees me. So what the hell, right? So <laughs> the only people that are going to see me are uh, wild animals. So that's, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it, there's, you know, that's that's all I care about. And just let me know if a possum comes up behind me. That's all. And it works good to keep the black flies off the back of your neck. It's fa it's fabulous for that, I will say. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't even want to know what I'd look like if I. So I mean, that. this is a this is a fantastic looking book. It's a it's a it's a great idea. Uh, it's cool that you know. It's an all it's it's an all ages book that looks like, you know, a book that, you know. Guys my age or or your age or you know, teenagers would read. And it's just, it just a cool idea. Uh, yeah, we wanted it simple enough for kids to be able to read and get involved with it. But if mom and dad are reading it to them, we want it to be compelling enough to keep mom and dad's attention also. Um, you know, John and I are at that age to read the books with the kids, right? And the kids have always, you know, they always throw terrible titles at you and you like have to suffer through that. So like, well, let's, let's do the parents a solid, right? And write them something that they can at least be interested in too. So John's uh, John can talk this, but he's always used the analogy. It's kind of like a Harry Potter kind of level, right? Mm -hmm. So, and when I use that reference too, I you know, it's not like he's the kid's a wizard or anything, but it's it's more if you, I mean, if you read or watch Harry Potter, there's a lot of scary scenes, you know, for for younger kids, but it's still family friendly enough that they're gonna watch it. They just make it creeped out by some of these uh, scenes, and and that was kind of the mindset when I was trying to write it is. I, I want it to creep my son out. He loves being creeped out, but I don't want him to have nightmares about a limb getting ripped off. It's not going to be gore and, and profanity or anything. So, um, so that was, that was the thought. I mean, and I remember, uh, I've said this joke a few times with, with Joel. Uh, there was a few times where I wanted to write in having Santa Claus getting killed off, um, by the evil elf just to make him that evil. And in my head, it seemed like the best idea in the world. And I think, Joel was probably reading those texts like, what the hell is he on right now? Like, you can't kill Santa Claus. Um, you know, especially, I mean, you, you can't, if you're trying to target kids uh, as part of your target audience, uh, I think you're, you might have some, some nasty emails from parents. If you yeah, they're, they're going to they're gonna stop following you so they can go see you at a convention to kick you in the shins or something. Right, right. But um, that was that was just a, a lapse in judgment. It, it's... You won't see and, and and more importantly, you can't kill Santa until your kids are older. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so they'll still be. I mean, he's still going to be getting into trouble in there. Don't don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. But uh, it's it's not going to end with Santa's head rolling on the ground. Uh, and, we do see you know. Santa, and he gets roughed up some. We'll leave it at that, right? So yeah, he has, yeah. He has a bad way in the book. So. <laughs> I mean, you saw that evil out the the villain. He he's not a nice character. So uh, no, he, not not at all. And and the 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 dragon thingies are no, uh, no. So there, I mean, we there's a really cool backstory that I can't wait to to write into a future issue for the evil elf and and he's half elf, so he's not a full elf, so he's not going to be short like like Einar the the protagonist elf. Um, 
but and those smoke creatures we call them the keepers of the realm um they they work with ragnar the evil elf so um there's a whole backstory to that everybody's beholden to him in some kind of a way for some kind of reason so yeah he's good at manipulating who he needs to manipulate to get them to work for him because he can't be in all dimensions and all time and all space at the same time so he has to call on these creatures to help him yeah and i we wanted a lot of we wanted a lot of like folklore type stuff in there so i, I was reading a lot of um icelandic folklore and norwegian stuff and reading some black magic stuff and i just got some some really cool ideas for for him to use in future issues and it's uh, i can't wait till he's in the, the books uh, more regularly but again back to harry potter reference if you you know voldemort is this nasty villain um but you don't even see him for a while you don't you know they just, he's just talked about you know and you might see like a flashback with him for a second but like he's not even in i don't even think he's in the first few movies um or books or whatnot um so that's kind of how this is going to go it's really building up to to his reveal and and then once he arrives you know it's it's not going to be good so yeah you know people are going to start dying soon so right <laughs> Yeah, he's been fun to. I'm in. I'm already halfway through book two in penciling, so mm-hmm. it's been fun to try to get him on onto some panels too. So it's been kind of cool to work with him. Nice. Yeah. So this is going to be a, a five issue series. This particular story arc is going to be five issues. Yeah, we there's a lot of characters with a lot of potential backstories that we could really dive into in in future story arcs. So, but. This will conclude after book five. So this arc will conclude after book five. Not it's not saying that the series is done there. No. Just yeah, the, really go on. Yeah. Yeah, just like the first arc. Right. Yeah. It really depends on how successful this five issue arc does uh, is, right? So if it does really well and it and people really dig it, um, which so far the feedback's been great, so that's that's a good sign. Um, you think? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, even you know the people that have read, you know, and reviewed, and we we got a review for it the other day that was really positive, which was exciting. And um, so I think the future story arcs are definitely uh, pretty high possibility that we're going to go with those. So yeah, nice. and Will being able to travel time, dimension, space. I mean, he could show up in other books too, accidentally, right? We could throw an Easter egg in and maybe Will's in the background or something like that. And we actually did do a, uh, a crossover piece with heel turn. Uh, Rogerio drew up a, uh, I think, do we have that on there, John is with the uh, updates or. Yeah. Yeah. It should a, be. There's um, a scene on that campaign update um, where Will basically accidentally teleports himself uh, into the scene with the main character heel turn where he's doing one of the serial kills. So if you back both heel turn and our book at the 25 plus level you get this limited edition print so rogerio drew this and i colored it so there's will accidentally teleporting into a murder scene so there might be some more <laughs> things like that right so that's plausible right. yeah yeah it's so he, he could actually you know teleport into say a baseball game sure they, they, yeah, they, yes <laughs> yes <laughs> There's Good other segue, John, take it. <laughs> yeah. Well, the <laughs> so before that too, um, I, I wanted to um, 
Oh man, I had a thought I lost it, but yeah. So we've talked about this. I, I love the whole idea of having this whole universe where even if it's a small tie-in just as an Easter egg, you know, that it, it could all be related somehow. Right. So our, the new comic we're working on called dead ball, um, it takes place in the early 1900s. The main character's name is Ted. He's a baseball player that has his career cut short by injury. And the, um, the story follows him and his desperate, you know, situation where it's almost a deal with the devil sort of situation. He, the carnival's in town. Um, he, he goes to the carnival drunk, you know, on his crutches, feeling bad for himself after fighting with his wife about how he's going to provide for the family. And the, uh, magician in the carnival, he's also the guy who runs the carnival, uh, is a supernatural cult leader. So he offers to heal Ted uh, for a return favor in the future. Ted's desperate, so he accepts that and doesn't even know what that return favor is. And that's the overall concept without spoiling too much, but there's going to be, um, it's going to be a lot a lot darker than than Yule, uh, more adult themed, more blood. Um, but again, there's supernatural. There's there's some it magic. So, stuff it sounds there. like a horror version of Eastbound and Down. <laughs> I promise you, the main character is not designed after Danny McBride. So, um, <laughs> although I do love that show. Um, so, but. <laughs> uh yeah it's i'm excited for that series too but there there definitely could be potential at least an easter egg crossover mixed in there but i have some other story ideas um roughly outlined that would be much more related to um the kasi and and what it does so i think you'll see this pop up in different series for sure yeah it's uh it's a very interesting concept uh it's cool that you have a pro. You just so happen to have a crossover piece with the uh, with the book that I did PR for at the opening. Uh, yeah. Yep. I don't know if that was planned or not, but there it is. It worked out. Yeah, well. I. I mean, I'd give a quick pl plug for Hilton too. I think it looks great. I. I love Dexter, and I grew up a wrestling fan. So the the thought of the two combining, I was going to back it before we even started talking to Ruggiero to work with us. So um, I hope it does well. Yeah, uh, Ruggiero's got his fingers in a whole bunch of campaigns. Yeah, his work is so cool. It's very, uh, I call it like architectural, for lack of a better word. It's very precise and technical. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's kind of cool to see. It's almost got a clip art feel to it, which I like. My stuff tends to be a little bit more loose, um, so it's neat to see, you know, especially something like this where it's his take on my character. So that's kind of fun working with that too. It's kind of fun to see someone else's vision of what that would look like. Yeah, it's a very cool looking piece too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's great. Yeah, he's he's wonderful to work with, and just he's, he's a cool cat. So we've had him on oh, the yeah. show a couple times already. He's almost becoming a regular on there. So uh, yeah, <laughs> the river runs deep with that guy. So he's he's a cool cat. Yeah, I know. Uh, Will told me that he had a he had an interview with a Brazilian podcast uh, last week. I think. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. That's a big scene down there, man. Like South America, Central America. There's some fantastic artists and things working down there right now. So. Oh yeah. Yeah, they're they're slaying down there. It's great. Great to see. You know, it's like American artists don't know what they're up against. 
Oh yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, you know we were, I was talking, I think it was on, I, I lose track of shows, but one of them was saying, you know, like the arts, you know, in other countries are so stressed in school, you know, whereas in America, we're cutting those types of programs because of money, right? Like first thing that goes the art program, the bands, music, right? They cut all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So kids don't have that stuff forced on them. It's like, internationally you know starting in kindergarten like art is part of your curriculum you will have art like you do that for all of your regular undergrad you know grade school undergrad stuff it's art 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 so and there it is right it bears fruit so we really should get back to that in terms of public school offering too is really keep kids in the art keep them in music i know it probably kept kept me alive kept me out of trouble in the band days believe it or not um you know in art too right because being an artist, you're never bored. You never have enough time. You always have something to do. So mm-hmm. that always kept my hands busy and not in trouble. So that was a good thing. Uh, art for me uh, got me in trouble because I wouldn't do it on paper. I would do it on the desks in the class. Well, we allegedly spray painted a lot of buildings. You may have seen some work along, you know, I-90. And <laughs> allegedly. Uh, you know, I, I didn't know for like a good five years that I was spelling Aerosmith wrong. So... I was the guy that always wrote Aussie on the chalkboard before class. That was my, that was my move. <laughs> yeah. uh, my, my move would, would get me, uh, you know, locked up nowadays because uh, I was a huge, well, I, I still am uh, for their older stuff, uh, a huge Death Leopard fan. And oh, when I was nice, in high man. school, Pyromania had come out. Nice. So of, of course the logo from Pyromania was the, was basically the sniper crosshair that I used to draw on the chalkboard. Nice. There you go. <laughs> Which now would be, you know, taken as. Oh, yeah. You'd be oh. gone. Yeah. That's a death threat. Well, you should have passed me. Uh, yeah. You're an extremist, <laughs> sir. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I am. I am so extreme. <laughs> Look out. I'll go get a mini pocket flag and stop waving it. You're so extreme. Look like, at a Nuno Bentoncourt tattoo, like on your on your arm. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh man, Nuno. Yep. We played with them at the Bahama Beach Club in Nashua, New Hampshire, in like '93. So there you go. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> yep. I remember. I remember his brother's band too. Uh, he started. You know. Do you know who I am? Do That's you know right. who I am? No. Good. We're even. Yep. <laughs> we played. Um, play. I'm Nuno Betancourt's brother. I don't give a fuck. Okay. <laughs> Great. <laughs> you yeah, know, we played with like we played with Godsmack down there in like '93, man. Back when they were like nobody at the Bahama Beach Club. When they were still a cover band. Yeah. Oh yeah, like they were like just they had no image, right? They just looked like four dudes that were sitting at the bar having beers that got up and picked up instruments and played like no one had heard of Godsmack yet. And then they blew up. Right. So they became huge. So mm. yeah, it was wild, but had a lot of bands like that, that we played with that went on to do big things. So it's, it's fun. It's fun to have that history and got to do that. It was just interesting to see them before they hit, you know, it's kind of cool. I knew them when they were nobody. Yep. Literally. My, my kids probably think I make up all this stuff, but nope, I did it. So <laughs> I, I always call Joel the Dosecki, man. And I'm like sitting here and I, I'm just like, yeah, I got nothing to offer to this. And my life was boring, apparently. 
Uh, well, a good time, man. The '90s, right? That was a good era for music and stuff up in New England. So yeah, oh yeah, it was a big scene back then up here. It was a big, big thing. It was like you almost had to be an artist and in a band. That was like a prerequisite. And it wasn't you weren't even just in a band. You were in like two or three bands. That was a common move too. It was a big thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, John, don't worry about it. You know, you don't you don't have cool band stories, but you can tell everybody, hey, around Halloween, you want to come by my house. Uh, yeah, you won't see that at my house. My house is pretty dull for Halloween because so, we're yeah. out in the middle of nowhere. And nobody's going to see it anyway, so there's really no oh, yeah. point. <laughs> my son wants to make a whole haunted trail that everyone has to walk through in our driveway. Last year, he 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 sat in a chair with the candy bowl on his lap after he was done trick or treating, and he would jump up to scare kids. <laughs> it was I'm like, man, you're you're made for this stuff but uh, i i used to do something like that when i was like uh a little younger than my daughter i had taken like an old plaid shirt that i hated that because my mother used to buy him at sears every year get stuck with like three colored plaid shirts why do i need a plaid <laughs> shirt because they're warm <laughs> uh and then she would get mad so i go out without a coat and a t-shirt uh in the snow uh and still do. Yeah. But uh, I took an old pair of jeans and an old hollow, an old like Frankenstein Halloween mask. And I, sh I shoved it in the top of the, I shoved it in the top of the shirt and I used twine to tie everything off. And then I filled the pants and the shirt with, uh, with leaves. And then I took all the twine and, put it through the eye hole screws that used to hold up all the Christmas lights on the outside of the house. And I would hide in the bushes and kids would come up and the, the monster, you know, Frankenstein would be there in the bowl. The, the candy bowl would be like at his feet. And then as soon as they got within like, you know, six inches, I would just start, you know, working the pulley system and scare the crap <laughs> out of them. Awesome. Yeah. My kid definitely tries to, pulled that stuff on me uh, i do very well not cursing in front of my kid uh, for the most part and uh <laughs> but there he has the jumping spider animatronic and he'll randomly stick that in the garage and, and plug it in and it was just a couple weeks ago i'm just walking out all of a sudden it just made that loud like screeching sound and jumped out at me and i was like you mother well i'm like i had to bite my tongue i'm like will i'm gonna crush that thing and throw it in the trash get it out of here <laughs> uh, oh yeah. yeah so this is this is awesome uh congratulations on on smashing everything uh and, and you know the book the book is getting made and uh hopefully uh in this last week uh you will open up some more goals and get that EC book, that EC exclusive cover. Yeah. Homage. And I mean, that's an, that's an awesome cover. There's a lot of, you got a lot of great stuff in here. You have uh, some very underpriced sketches, which should get people, you know, on board. And I know like the last week, like last three to five days, everybody's getting that final email from Kickstarter or Indiegogo reminding them about the project and usually have like an upturn, especially, you know, I know you guys are first time out, but they look and they see you. Oh, books are getting made. It's all funded. Push it. Yeah. It, it's way past funded. And, uh, 
you know, so hopefully you should get way past that, uh, that three K goal. So. Yeah. It'd be awesome. We we're in a dead zone right now, which I, I think we both expected to have a stretch where it was a little light on, on backers. Um, but I mean, the first week and a half was just, it was it felt like every day it was, if you go to that, uh, kick tracks website and it projects out what you're supposed to make. And it was saying like almost 20 K and we're like, yeah, that would be amazing. Uh, but, uh, um, Oh yeah. It was, it was projecting that cause of what happened in the first six hours. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm hoping for that that late push um, to to get us over. I mean, I think if we can get over 4K, that would be wonderful. But um, 3K gets people that cover, so that's that's huge. Yeah, that'll that'll be great. Uh, why don't you guys uh, let everybody know uh, where they can follow you and websites and all that fun stuff? Yeah, I'll take that because John likes me to do that. So. <laughs> I would yeah. butcher. Uh, big thing we're doing right now, uh, we just really kind of got going with the YouTube channel. So I say first and foremost, YouTube, Livid Comics. We're doing at least a weekly show, sometimes two right now, kind of like this. And it's a freeform hang, very much like what you're doing here. So we like that. It's pretty cool. And, um, you know, if someone has a book or wants to talk about a project, we want to know about it. We want to have you on and talk with you. So that's cool. So again, Livid Comics on YouTube. Uh, Facebook, of course, facebook.com forward slash Livid Comics. Instagram is livid underscore comics. Um, I'm usually running the Instagram, and John is building up to Twitter and rocking that at livid comic singular no s because for some reason someone has our name for something that doesn't do anything with it. As always, somebody has your name on there, right? So just livid comic mm -hmm. no s. Uh, main website is lividcomics.com. Right now, it shares a home with my fine art stuff, so you can see some of my background with painting and things on livid comics. Dot com also you can pick which portal you want to go and you go to the comic world or you can go to the fine art world check that out eventually it'll have its own standalone page so that's just where you landed it for now very cool so hopefully we'll be seeing you uh in the very near future and I'm gonna we're gonna be keeping an eye on this and joel i guess you're gonna be on monday madness next monday with pops <laughs> yeah that's cool yeah thanks for the hookup that's sweet and uh there's there's plenty of other shows out there uh if you guys just want to send me a short list of the shows you've done i might be able to get you hooked up on a few more nice before the end of the week because you know awesome. your wives will love that you're on oh. another show uh -huh. yeah, i told her she wouldn't see me this week i'm like it'll be over in a week don't worry <laughs> yeah hey, my wife watched our 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 uh saturday night show and we there was about a 10 minute conversation about boobs. So I got a text. I was like, this is, this is the time you choose to watch right now. Is, it is was this? variant covers. Be that's well, that's why we were talking about it, but she didn't see that part. She's, she came in after the fact. Uh, it's always the way, right? It's like, yeah. there's, a, there's a little bit of backstory to what we're talking about, how we got onto boobs. <laughs> she turns it on and John's like, boobies. Yeah, and, exactly. uh, <laughs> This part of the for this interview, she's going to turn it on to the part where we're talking about, uh, you know, my right forearm. So it's so it always <laughs> so it works. <laughs> yeah, you take it out of context, right? Sounds like sounds like media, right? Modern mainstream media. So, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, welcome together. to MSNBC. Yeah, we'll be a threat after this one. We'll splice <laughs> us together, and we'll be a threat. You know, it it's oh, been yeah. a cool ride, man. I gotta say, you know, like us coming into this and the people we met and everybody's really cool and awesome and. You know, we're here to help other people out, too. Like, we're big into that. So whatever we can do to help other people out, too, we want to know about what struggles they're having and what we can do to help. So 
we extend out that favor also. That's really important to us. Oh, very cool. Yeah, definitely. Uh, have you guys ever done the uh, or gone to like the the little giant uh, comic? Yes, that was the one in April, and there's another one in August too. So I know I know uh, they do really good up there because it's like an it's like an old time yeah it's like it's an old great. time comic show it so was it's packed, man it was packed it was way you know. busy yeah yeah That's... we'd like to we'd like to get there um, I briefly reached out to the um, I don't know you call him creator or runner of that show and it's like yeah man we're full already so I don't know but yeah we we we'll go anywhere we're easy so <laughs> yeah. Should it should be good. I know I know the Boston show now is mostly just a pop culture thing. They kind of like, you know, shove all the comic book creators, you know, off in the corner and the rest of the place is just filled up for people that want to give millionaires, you know, their harder and money for 30 seconds of their time. Right. You know, instead of, you know, meeting the people that especially nowadays uh, created everything that they've done. Right. right. I'm the other way. I'm always on the uh, artist alley, right? Always hitting those guys up. That's, that's yeah. my thing. And I like to talk about the struggle with other artists and that kind of stuff. So, yeah. hey, good morning, Mike, Jimmy, Debrun. Uh, Mike is a comic creator from the Netherlands. Oh, awesome. That's nice. That's, cool. yeah, that's early for him. <laughs> yeah, he, he just, he's just getting up for work. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, well, maybe, you can, maybe you can call in sick today. You know, tell, him, tell him I told your boss you can call in sick. So. <laughs> <laughs> he, the day he, off. he needs to pay rent and then he's he he just wrapped his book uh which, which did very well and he did a cross promotion with with another with another uk creator too yeah that's awesome that's that's becoming a good scene like some of our backers are in the uk we have some good people there too so that's nice to see and talk with those guys and what their scenes like over there it's, it's really interesting too yeah there's a there's a lot of there's just a it's just great all around comic book stuff going on right now it's a good time indie's just getting bigger and bigger and i think you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah when you work for yourself it's hard to call in sick yeah he's gotta he's gotta he's gotta pay his colorist she's really good uh yeah Yeah, they like to get paid it's weird i don't know (laughs) yeah (laughs) go figure how dare they? <laughs> you know, it's crazy. It's like, do you want to make a comic book? Uh, yeah. Uh, do I have to pay anybody? Yeah. I go, okay, I don't want to make a comic book. Yeah, uh, I like the people that offer you like 10 bucks a page, things like that. It's like, yeah, I don't get out of bed for that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, no. R- yeah. Wrong wrong tree barking up there. Yeah. You know, people need to get paid, paid. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this is uh, this has been very cool getting to meet and, uh, and know you guys and even even better, uh, as we like to say around New England, uh, you just up the road a piece. So, yeah, man, it's been awesome. Thanks for having us on. It's been really cool. So it, it's been a great time, and uh, we wish you all the luck with this book. And uh, we will definitely keep in touch. I already subbed to your YouTube channel earlier. Awesome. Oh, I appreciate it. That's awesome. Thank so you. we'll uh, we'll check that out, and uh, we'll see everybody. Uh, I have a special guest from the UK of all places. Uh, tomorrow at one, we have, uh, actually not the UK. He's from Portugal. Uh, Mar V has a book called the sin killer just launched this past weekend. It's, it's his first book. And, uh, we're going to have him on at one o'clock tomorrow afternoon.
awesome. So that should be cool. Uh, until next time, guys, thank you so much. Uh, and have a, have a great night.